what I did is when I got ready to go and do the do the promo with the Undertaker, then that's when I, I I remember what Vince said, you know, to build that, build him up, and I just started saying one on one with the Undertaker, and that that's how it all started. One on one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to One on One. I'm your co-host, Mac Davis, along with WWE Hall of Famer, Teddy Long. Hey, man, good to be back with you, and we're getting ready now to go one-on-one, player. I tell you what, Teddy, this has been a long time coming, and we've worked hard to get to this point. We're very excited to be a part of the Sports Kita family, and this being our first show. Well, yeah, very excited about it, man, and I just want to give a big shout-out to them and thank them very much for... uh, you know, watching our product and, and liking what they see and what they hear and wanting us to be a part of it. So thank you guys very much. And for everybody watching, you can do us a huge favor. Simply down below, go down there and subscribe. Find that link. We don't know where it is. It's down here somewhere. But subscribe, like, share, everything that can help us get our social media even higher. We would certainly appreciate it. Teddy, right. I'm going to jump right into it. First of all, the name of our show is One on One. And I have to, uh, you know, obviously 101 is very well associated with the famous Teddy Long. So tell me, when did 101 really become a part of your persona? Well, uh, it was one time I, <clears throat> when uh, I, I uh, Vince McMahon had uh, sent Stephanie out to make an introduction. And uh, when Stephanie come back, you know, Vince was kind of talking to her about he wanted a little bit more, you know, enthusiasm on that introduction. You know, he likes you want, you know, to really build the guy up when you introduce him. So I was standing there and I was listening to that, you know, and I didn't say anything. So what I did is when I got ready to go and do the, do the promo with The Undertaker, then that's when I, I, I remember what Vince said, you know, to build that, build him up. And I just started saying one-on-one with The Undertaker. And that, that's how it all started. Now, so was it one-on-one that came first before the tag team lines? Uh, no, I think the tag team uh, line came first. And that was just something, that was another part of me remembering about Vince saying, you know, when you present something, you know, build it up, make it mean something. So that's when I started, you know, at just adding a little bit of pizzazz to the one, you know, to the tag team match. Right now, players, we're going to have ourselves a tag team match, you know, and so that was just you know, remembering what he wanted, and I just brought that out on my own. So that that's how it all happened. Now, some of the uh, reactions, I remember some of the reactions when you would come out. That was the best part of that line to me, because normally it would be like JBL or somebody else across from you. You, you know, you're looking at him going, well, actually do the line. Can you do the line? Like, tell JBL he's going to be uh, going one-on-one with The Undertaker. Well, JBL, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. So right now, you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. Now, the reactions that they would have the second you would say that always made that line to me. Was there ever a time you were in the ring where one of those reactions even caught you and made you almost want to laugh? <laughs> well, the only thing that made me want to laugh is some of the reactions that came from some of the, the guys that I put them in the matches with, especially JBL. His whole expression changed. Yep. And he's looking and screaming at me, no, you can't do that. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then I had one with uh, Booker T and Charmel. You know, I put him in a, you know, he was all cuddling up to me. And then I just hit him with the one-on-one with Donna Taker and then he changed. He changed from the the accent he had. Wait a minute, you can't do that. <laughs> so, 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 
So he wasn't he wasn't that English guy anymore once he found <laughs> out he was going with the Undertaker. <laughs> well, now the Undertaker is a very famous line, uh, actually, for you because now I've been with you to different shows, numerous shows, and the one thing everybody always wants you to do is, can you tell me to go one on one with the Undertaker? It throws me back to the Hall of Fame of Undertaker. How was it that you weren't part of that celebration? Well, that's not my call. You know, I'm. You know, I don't know uh, who made that, who's in charge of all that. I'm pretty sure at the time, Laurinaitis was there, you know. Well, okay. Um, I, you know, so, um, like I said, it, it's not my call. I, could, I couldn't understand that either. But, you know, like I said, that belongs to them. And I don't worry about it. If they don't want me, then they don't want me. It's just that simple. And that is how one-on-one -on -one has become the name of our show. And, Teddy, I don't think it could be anything else other than that that would be more appropriate for our program. Yeah, well, I appreciate those guys who are thinking about that. Yeah, that's, I think it's super dope, man, that it's called one-on-one because -on -one, I, I would have been kind of afraid to use it, you know, but as long as we're, you know, we're not saying The Undertaker, then I don't think we got no problem. No, no, because I use it in other places. I mean, look, I use that line in other places as well. You're going to go one-on-one, -on -one, so, you know, try it. Right, right. <laughs> um, let me kind of go into some recent uh, activity in wrestling right now. Jeff Jarrett made his AEW debut, and of course, he's now going to be going into, I believe, the full gear. Yeah, the full gear coming up. Uh, it'll be Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen and Sting. You got two old fellas in there, older guys uh, that are in the ring. Jeff Jarrett's pretty decent shape. Have you seen him least, uh, recently, Teddy? Yeah, I, I saw him recently, um, maybe in a couple of weeks ago. I was somewhere on a signing, and he was there, and I had a chance to see him. Yeah, he, he still like he's pretty well in ring shape. He seemed to be doing pretty well in the uh, Ric Flair last farewell match or his next to the last farewell match to the next to the next last farewell match. Uh, but uh, he was looking good at that point right there. Uh, but he's now back in AEW on a full-time basis. I believe he's probably doing more work behind the scenes. And I think his help could eventually uh, make some of these younger guys grow up quicker. Do you think that's a possibility with Jeff in the uh, locker room? Well, yes, I do. I think Jeff is a, a phenomenal athlete, great wrestler, great uh, ring mat technician. Uh, he knows this business very well. You know, he grew up in it. His father was the the, the famous uh, Jeff um, Jerry Jarrett, that was the promoter in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, for a long, long time. So I think they made a good call by getting Jeff in AEW. He can help those young guys over there with, with not only with wrestling, but with their promos too. So Jeff can talk, you know, he knows this business really good. So a good move for Jeff Jarrett. Congratulations to him, man. And I wish him all the best in the world. I worry about Sting a little bit because Sting is not a, he's, he's not real young and his last match was, it, it was good, but you know, it, it's, it comes a time. It's almost like Ric Flair to me is you kind of wish that some of these guys would bow out a little bit earlier and just call it quits. I'm not saying right. Sting's awful in the ring because he still draws and that's the T. I mean, that's the key right there. Draw. Well, my thing is this here, you know, and I tell you all the time, Mac, you got to quit worrying about this old stuff, okay? <laughs> a lot of these guys, you know, they may be old in numbers, but they're in their bodies and they're, they're in good physical condition. They're in great shape. And so, like I said, I don't think you're old until you're cold. It's just that simple. But anyway, you know, Sting, you know, like I said, he, he, he stays in shape. He stays in the gym, you know. He watches what he eats now. He, you know, takes care of his health real good. And that's all you got to do, man. Just start taking care of yourself. You know, as you reach a certain age in life, then you got to cut out some of that stuff. You got to cut out some of that drinking and, 
all the bad food that you consumed over the years and stuff, you know, and get yep. yourself, get your blood pressure stuff and cholesterol and all that stuff down. A lot of guys don't even t t take time to even take that blood pressure. They even think about it. Wow. So I'm just saying, man, you know, I, and I watched that. Devon Dudley was another one that never checked his blood pressure. And so one time they checked his blood pressure, he was at this arena. They wouldn't even let him work because his blood pressure was too high. But if he'd have checked it, you know, he would have knew that. So I have a blood pressure machine right with me every day, right here at the house. And I check mine maybe twice a week. And I don't have to. My blood pressure is in great con great shape. You know, my numbers are always low, you know, but I stay in the gym. And like I said, I quit drinking. I hadn't had a drink of alcohol in 10 years. And uh, so I, I, I eat good now and I look out for myself because I know that, you know, the numbers are coming. So you have to adjust the body to deal with those older numbers. I had an eye exam that I went to and so I had this little spot on my eye so I'm like wondering where did that come from and the guy the guy told me say it comes from age I said okay well I got it then he said but it'll eventually go away you know he said but it comes with age so I understand that so what I'm saying to you when you get older you have to get wiser so once you get wiser then you'll understand how important your health is and how important it is to stay alive and that's what I live for each and every day well, Teddy, let me ask you, back in the uh, the early days uh, of your wrestling, NWA and early WCW, was there not uh, a physician that you had to actually come and have your blood pressure checked on a regular basis before you were allowed to perform in certain states? Well, not in all the states. You know, they had, when, when the commissioners, you know, would be in some states like Maryland, Baltimore, there was always the commissioner there, and there was always somebody there to check your blood pressure. But like I said, when you're on a lot of those house shows and stuff, uh, live events, you know, there's no 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 uh, doctor there. And the way that I found out one time back when I was in bad shape, I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina one night and I was getting ready to walk out to the ring and they took my blood pressure, brother. My blood pressure was like 200. Wow. I had no idea. I didn't feel nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? And like they always say, the blood pressure is the silent killer. But they didn't let me work that night and they told me that I needed to, you know, go to the doctor. And I said, I, I got this. I know what's wrong. And I knew exactly what was wrong. I knew that I'd been eating bad. I was drinking. I was putting everything in my body from A to Z. So I went from home. I drove back home from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, back to Atlanta. The next morning, I got up and went to the gym. I could only do about maybe 10 or 15 minutes on the treadmill. That's how I started. But I didn't stop because I had already I'd been in shape at one point in my life when I was young. And so I knew exactly what to do. So I just yeah. kept and continued going till I built my cardio up to an hour. And I've been doing an hour cardio for over 20 years. So, you know what I mean? It, you, you, it, and, just you gotta, be, and just to be straight, too, he's 75. Is that correct? 75, right? That's right. 75 years old. And I promise you, he can outdo me on the treadmill any day of the week. And most people I know he could outdo, which is incredible to me. Never make a bet with Teddy on who can stay on the treadmill longer. You'll well, lose. that's what I say. That's quit worrying about them numbers. I don't care yep. about them. I'm alive and I'm in good good shape and I feel great each and every day, you know, and I got my life right. So, you, I, brother, I'm just having a ball. Amen. Let me ask you about Sting uh, while we're, uh, we just mentioned him a few moments ago. Do um, you have any memories of Sting? Anything you remember from back in the days? Because I know you worked around him quite a bit. You know, at least we're in the same locker rooms with him. Um, anything that you can remember that stands out? Uh, not really. I mean, he was always a nice guy to me. You know, we always got along and stuff, you know, and uh, like I said, I, I, I see him every once in a while, sometime on signings and stuff. And he always comes up and talks to me and we'll stop and, you know, have a little conversation for five or ten minutes. And that's about it. So he was just always a nice guy. I have nothing bad to say about Steve.
Nobody does. I mean, you anybody you talk to, nobody has a bad thing to say about uh, Sting. He just seems like he must have been a really good guy in the back and stayed out of all the drama. Well, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He kept a low profile, so uh, if he did anything, you didn't know it. Talking about drama, let me bring this up. Road Dog Brian James had made some comments recently about Bret Hart. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Uh, let me tell you what happened. Road Dog basically said that he, Road Dog, was a better sports entertainer than Bret Hart. And to quote him, he said, I don't think Bret Hart is a great wrestler. I think I was a better sports entertainer than Bret was, and that is where the money is. Well, I'll have to say this. Road Dog is a superb entertainer. Yep. He has that gift that I'd say about all the time. Some guys are able to be great wrestlers and great entertainers. And that's what Road Dog was. He was a great wrestler and a great entertainer. He was good on the mic, so he could talk, didn't need a manager, none of that. So I'm just saying, you know, that's his opinion about whether he thinks he's a better wrestler than or entertainer than Bret Hart. Bret, you know, to me, you know, phenomenal out the league. You know how where Bret come from? from oh yeah. From Father Stu Hart, he come out of that dungeon up there in Canada, man. So if you went there, if you didn't get it right there, then you would never get it at all. So I mean, everybody has their own opinion. If that's how Road Dog feels, he's a better wrestler than Bret Hart, then that's fine. You know what I mean? But. You know, I, well, I, I don't know that he said he's a better wrestler. I think he was just trying to point. He didn't think that Brett was that great of a wrestler and that he also thought that he was a better sports entertainer than Brett was. Um, okay. I, you know, and, and I agree with that. If you want to know the truth of the matter, like you say, everybody has a difference of opinion. Brett was one of those wrestlers. I, he, he was a great wrestler. Techni technical wise, great wrestler. But he bored me. For some reason, when I as I was growing up, he was never a character that I, I liked. You know, as far as wanting to go buy a ticket to see what happens with him, I was never invested in him in that way. Um, but he was a great wrestler. I'm not going to take that away. You know, uh, but I agree. I, sports entertainer, he wasn't great on the mic. Uh, he couldn't handle a promo that well. And and Road Dog's right. I think he was probably a better sports entertainer than Brett. He was not, though, a better wrestler than Brett, and I don't think, and I think that's what he was trying to say. Okay, well, if it, that's my bad, I mean, I didn't mean if. if well, no, no, no. A lot of people took it that way when he said it. Right. He, had, he had to go back and clear it up and say, no, no, I'm not saying I was a better wrestler because I think he's smart enough to realize, no, no, that's not it. But, right. Well, <laughs> like even, I said, everybody has their own opinion. Just like you said that Brett, you know, that he bored you, you know, when he came out. Well, he, that, you know, I looked at it a different way. He didn't bore me because. I think with his promos, he didn't have his promos didn't last that long. I tell you what did happen one time. I think it was me and him, Randy Orton, I believe, we were in the ring doing this promo. And uh, I remember, I think Brett forgot his lines, but I caught it and I picked it right up. And I remember Jerry Lawler coming to me at the end. He said, you saved that, you saved that promo, said you picked it right up. And I said, oh yeah, I, you know, and I didn't think no more about that because I yeah. one time I forgot my lines in the ring. So, you know, that, 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 that happens, you know, like Vince always says, if it happened live, it was meant to be. So, you know, but uh, like I said, it, you, everybody has their own opinion. And that, <laughs> that's all I can say. Road Dog during the Attitude Era, uh, I would imagine he was part of that, that clique that uh, kind of controlled things back then. Was he always just a character in the back like he was in the ring? I mean, what you see in the ring, is that who Brian really is? That's who Brian really is, man. He was uh, he was an entertainer back behind the behind the scenes just as much as he was out in front. So he made, he kept us all laughing. He always had jokes and, uh, you know, and stuff. And he was always smiling. 
I never seen him mad at, at all. I mean, I one time I think some, but I think he's he's an agent then, and I think he had some guys match, and they kind of screwed that up. And I don't think he was really mad, but he was really getting, you know, letting them lay laying the law down, telling them exactly what they did wrong and what they didn't, you know, what yep. they should have done. So yeah, he was always entertaining, man. He, he he's a funny guy. He's funny right now. If you walk up to him and start something, he'll just he'll he'll start oh, yeah. some funny stuff. He'll make you laugh. Well, actually, we saw him what uh, about a month ago, I guess it was. Yeah, and, we, he was and actually that was the first time I've ever seen him get angry, and he got angry yeah. for the right reason too. I thought, well, hell, let's talk about that. Um, Road Dog was doing color commentary for a show that Teddy and I were doing. And some talent had gotten in the ring and decided to grab the mic and start jaw jacking with Road Dog trying to bring him to the ring. Now, none of this was prearranged. It was not planned whatsoever. And it did not go over well with Brian James. I mean, he he was furious. It well, legit. I don't blame him. I, oh, I don't either. There. I don't blame him. You, got a, you got, got a couple of indie guys. You understand that need to be listening, trying to learn how to work and, and, you know, and learn how to do promos. And they just went out there and did something on their own. Nobody told them to do that. No, Nobody no. told them to call. And so when you do stuff like that, you know, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get your ass ringed out. And so that's what Brian did to him. You know, he straightened them out. Hey, I'm a grown man. I don't play. Don't play with the business like that. You know, that's totally disrespect. Yeah, if uh, I think that may be on the IWN network, you can check it out if uh, if, if it's up there. And I can't remember if it is or not. But Brian moved faster than I saw him move all day because when he got pissed, he hopped up out of that seat and he couldn't find a chair he was looking for, and he just brought a hard four-legged chair with him and was going to beat the ever-living hell out of those boys for doing what they were doing. And they thought it was all fun and games. It looked great to the fans and everybody else, but it was not well, a fun night at the office for those two boys when they got in the back. Well, they just, you know, a lot of times guys just don't know no better. And like I said, like I said, instead of them asking somebody before they do it, they didn't even know how to do that. Because on the Indies, you don't learn that. You don't learn to ask somebody what you're going to do. You know, you just walk out there and do it or make up stuff on your own. And so I think that's what they did. They just went out there and just made up a bunch of stuff and had no idea, you know, what, what, you know, what it was going to lead to. So to get them straight out, like I said, I hope they learned something from that. I hope they don't do that again. Now, I hope they don't either, because I know a couple of the guys that are in that group, and they're actually good kids. It's just, uh, I think they made a really bad decision. They don't know. They don't know, and there's yeah. nobody there talking to them or helping them. And you see, you know, you've been with me on on, on shows, you know, and I go to the young talent, and I, they, if I see something wrong, I wait right, and I go right to them and let them know. You know what I mean? A lot of them appreciate it. A lot of them don't. So, you know, some somebody will learn something, and somebody won't. So I don't worry about that. If I can help you, I'll, I'll try and help you. I helped. I watched that happen with uh, D'Lo Brown at a show one time, where he was available, and, and guys were afraid to go up and talk to him. And those who did go up and talk to him didn't take his advice, and it just blows my mind. It's like, guys, you had D'Lo Brown in here. He, he listen to what he's telling you. Just stop talking and listen. Yeah, well, uh, they don't. They don't think we know anything. No, no. Uh, here's another news story I want to bring up. Uh, Nick Aldis. And the NWA have parted ways or are in the process of parting ways. And Nick Aldis was on a show recently with Sam Roberts on the, uh, I, I believe this show may have been on the um, Sirius XM network, if I'm not mistaken. But Nick made a comment that basically says uh, that he was going to be leaving the NWA. But he didn't tell anybody in the NWA this before he made the announcement on social media. 
Um, he then afterwards, after all kind of got blown out of proportion, according to Nick, uh, things went real south, and uh, Billy Corgan basically is pissed off, and Nick is pissed off. Nick saying that the NWA now doesn't pass the Harley race test uh, that he first was trying to bring back to the NWA. Have you had a chance to see much of the NWA product? No, I haven't. I uh, I, I didn't even know they were on TV anywhere. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not even sure what if it's YouTube or something else. Maybe I'm not even sure that they're on TV. Not a real TV channel right now. But yeah. uh, they they did have a comeback. And here's the shame of it all to me. When the NWA made its comeback in the last few years, it was when Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes started building up the 10 Pounds of Gold series, which was a fantastic series. By the way, Teddy, if you have not seen that, watch the 10 Pounds of Gold from the NWA. It's one of the best things I've seen in wrestling in the last 10 years. But they, uh, Cody and Nick built up this angle that looked incredibly real. It, the realism... And the old school throwback and the way their promos were done, the match was done, was absolutely incredible. It was the one single feud that brought me back to watching wrestling on a regular basis because of those two guys. It was just incredibly done. So here you got a guy who built the NWA back up to a, uh, you know, to a name again, no longer sitting down in the gutter. And something happens, they start going a different direction, creative seems to get in the way, and these two guys split, and you're left with the NWA basically no longer having a real talent holding their belt. I, I don't want to say that. Tyrus currently won the belt just last weekend, but Nick was carrying that belt all over the country. He was making it look like a legit, true 10 pounds of gold. And I hate to see him go. I really do. Well, I mean, you know, good good luck, you know, for, you know, for Nick. You know, great guy. I had a chance to work with him out in Texas. He came out and did some stuff for TSW. And uh, a tremendously nice guy. I gave him his finish and told him what, you know, we wanted out of him. No, had no problem, no attitude, and, and, and that's the kind of people you want to work with. So good luck with Nick. If he sees his future is better to go somewhere else or to get out of the NWA, then, you know, he may know something that you and I may not know. Very true. But like I said, but you know, a lot of promoters are like that. You know, how, how can you let a guy like Nick Aldis Cody Rhodes, if you got them, yeah, you know, how can you get let them go? And yet, they, they, you know, I, I just don't understand this business no. sometimes. Look like the people that come in that want to do the right thing and help you, you want to shit on them, you know, and treat them, you know, bad. And that's it's it's, it's, it's business is really crazy, man. So, you know, like I said, good. Uh, you know, we know Cody's doing great. So Nick's gonna always Nick's gonna do great. He's a great worker, man. Great, well, great me... guy on the mic. So Nick Nick shouldn't shouldn't have any problem trying to find a job. Well, let me bring up some fantasy booking here. Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes have fought twice. They both won once. Cody is out right now of the WWE with an injury, but due back sometime late this year, early next year, at the same time that I believe Nick Aldis's contract actually comes to an end. Can you imagine Cody coming back winning the belt from Roman Reigns. Then Nick Aldis makes an appearance as soon as Cody takes that belt. The next night, here's Nick Aldis, and they're coming in for that third rubber match that we've been waiting for, for that belt. 
Well, I, I, that's money right there. You oh, know, yeah. if it was me, I think I'd kind of do it the other way around. I'd have Nick come in first and him take the belt from Roman Reigns. I'd do it that way. And then yeah. now you got, you know, maybe he's out there celebrating, you know what I mean? And out of the blue, here comes Cody. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And he's been gone. So he's going to certainly get a great pop there because people have missed him and they want to see him. And a lot of people that are in that audience would be in that audience. I'm pretty sure would, are familiar with the feud that he had with Nick and NWA. So I, I think that that would be a great combination there. You know, hopefully, hopefully that might happen. Yeah, I, I'm hoping, uh, you know, and again, that's fantasy booking, but it's, it's always fun to look at what the possibilities could be. And uh, and I think that WWE is trying to find a way. I think they're still hoping that Rock and Roman may face each other. I don't know that that's going to happen. It is in Los Angeles, so that would make sense, you know, that uh, that's a possibility. But uh, if not, somewhere, somehow, I believe Triple H has got to be going, I want Cody and Nick on WWE facing each other for that belt, you know, uh, for that third match that everybody's been waiting for. So, and I remember Cody telling me, I asked him, I said, what happened with the rubber match? Why isn't he in AEW? And he looked at me and goes, well, you know, the politics of it all. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's a shame. What a shame. Well, he told you right. Yep. Uh, there's other places that they keep saying that he could end up going. They're bringing up other places like uh, Impact, which is, I hope not. Uh, also, AEW, I don't know that, how well he would fit in there at AEW with their style. And uh, I still think that WWE would probably be the best option for him. CM Punk and AEW Fallout. You ready for this one? And we're about to run out of time, too, I believe. Teddy, how much time we got here, guys? We got... Okay, we still got a few minutes. Uh, CM Punk and AEW Fallout. Uh, the rumors are now that Punk uh, may be going to WWE as well. Now, that's a rumor, but do you see that possible with Triple H now running the company? Well, anything's possible in this business. You know what I mean? I've learned that you never say never, and you never say that you're not going to see somebody. Once they're gone, you you never say that they'll never come back or they'll, they'll you'll never see them again. Yeah. So that's not true. So if if I, Hunter is smart, he knows this business. He growed right up. He you know stayed that with Vince for many many years. So I know he will learn tremendously a lot of stuff from his father-in-law so i think triple h understands about the money and if cm punk can draw money then i'm sure hunter will bring him back if uh you were cm punk would you go back to wwe could you trust him well you and know that's I mean, coming from his perspective of course because you know how he is well i understand how he is but like i said i'm, I'm pretty sure that he will sit down and him and hunter will have a great uh come to jesus meeting and uh when if Punk does decide to sign with WWE, when he goes out there, you better believe that he's already got it in writing and he's made it clear what he's what he will do and what he won't do. So I, I don't think it's a, a, a thing of whether you can trust them or not. I think it's just you know making sure you know they do the right thing and make them put it in writing. You were with CM Punk quite a bit. You uh, I think you've told me before y'all trained together at times. Uh, yeah. It, it, what's the real feel like? Because uh, or CM Punk, he he comes across like he's actually a nice guy. So yeah. at times when you see him kind of blow up at these things, you're like, wow, where'd that come from? Because that's not the guy I know. But he seems like a really cool guy. Well, he is a cool guy, real nice guy. Like I said, I trained with him before, did cardio and stuff with him, and me and him always talked and, you know, had a great call. In fact, I still talk to him right now after he had to blow up uh, this past thing he did in AEW. Yeah. I had a chance to, to talk to him right after that, you know what I mean? So CM Punk is just a guy like this. You know, if it's wrong, it's wrong, and he going to let you know it's wrong. You know, a lot of guys, like I said before, CM Punk is one of the guys that will speak up. 
and not worry about losing his job or not. But a lot of guys won't speak up because they know they may get fired or they know somewhere down the line they're going to get buried on TV or whatever. But you got to put that stuff behind you. If you want to bury me on TV and do whatever you want to do to me just because I'm going to tell the truth, then so be it. So that's how CM Punk was. He just, you know, like I said, that name Straight Edge, he's a straight up guy. He looked frustrated. You know, that's what it looked like. It looked to me like he came out of that, uh, came into the media scrum after that match at All uh, all Out. And uh, it looked like he was just extremely frustrated. Like he'd been putting up with a lot of crap and he just, it just blew up. It just happened to be the place where all that happened. And well, uh, I've been there. So I understand that. I know how that can be. You get fed up, you get fed up. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, in, in this business, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Okay, all you see is the TV side. So you just never know what, what led to that. Teddy, uh, again, uh, this is our very first show. We're out of time now. This is one-on-one. -on -one. I'm Mac Davis. He's Teddy Long. And Teddy, anything coming up that you want to push real quick? Uh, only thing, uh, November 28th, uh, be at the WrestleCade there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina for Wrestle... Uh, Wrestle, what is it? Wrestle Cade. Wrestle Cade. I keep thinking about the fan fest. Okay? But Wrestle Cade, the big show that they do every year up there. Tim Woody, he's the guy. And uh, so I'll be up there along with uh, Bruno Lawler, uh, downtown Bruno. And uh, uh, I forget who else I'm going to be. Somebody else is on that, up there with me, too. I can't remember. I, I, I can't remember right now. I want to say it's a, it's a Candace it's a Michelle. Candace I believe it's Candace. Candice Michelle, yeah, so she'll be there along with me. So we'll be at WrestleCade November 28th. Also, you can catch our other show that we do called Road Trip After Hours, 30-minute time limit. That's on YouTube and about every podcast channel you can think of. And, Teddy, that's quite a a, a wild show itself, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is, man. <laughs> and, let me, and let me tell you, let me get, let everybody know, thanks, Mac Davis. We give Mac all the, all the glory and all the credit because he created all this. He started all this, and I'm just happy he just letting me tag along with it. Look, this whole thing was all built and designed with Teddy in mind, so don't let him fool you. Teddy, I've had a blast, man. I, thank you for joining us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. Again, we ask that you go down below, like, share, subscribe, all the other good stuff, rinse, shampoo, repeat. You know, you know how it works. I'm Mike well, Davis. <laughs> go ahead. And if they don't, and if they don't watch this show, then they better be better be on the lookout because they'll go one on one with either Mac Davis or Teddy Long. Holla!